The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Serving spiritual seekers around the world. Unity Online Radio. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Main Street Vegan with host Victoria Moran. Victoria is an author, inspirational speaker, and a certified holistic health counselor and vegan lifestyle coach. She's here to entertain, educate, and inspire you on your journey to look and feel amazing, eat extraordinary food, help animals, and create a physical body perfectly attuned to spiritual growth. Now, let's get this party started. Here is your host, Victoria Moran. everybody. Welcome to Main Street Vegan right here on Unity Online Radio. So happy to have you with us today. I am joined by the inimitable Diane Wentz, aka VeggieGirl.com. Hey, Diane. Hi, Victoria. Wonderful to have you with us today on a rainy day in New York City. Thank you for having me. Well, you're so welcome. I cannot think of anyone I would rather be here chatting with, talking about the news of the day and bringing on our our couple of really fascinating vegan women who will be joining us after the breaks. I had something good happen today. What happened? Ah, What happened is I got an email from my editor's assistant, and she said, we have a thank you from Bill Clinton for the book that he sent, and it's hand-signed. And the first time I read it, I thought, oh, that's nice. Somebody at the foundation wrote a thank you note. And then I read it again, and she said, it's a thank you from Bill Clinton, and it's hand-signed. So now I'm all starstruck and excited. That's a good reason to be starstruck and excited. It's amazing. Yeah. He has such charisma. One of my wonderful friends, Sherry Boone, you can find out more about her at her site, which is operaathome.com. She actually is, is one of us. She eats plants. And uh, (laughs) she's a wonderful, wonderful opera singer. She's done Broadway and and lots of tours. And she performed at a special performance for Toni Morrison. And she was so good. And I was all ready to give her the standing ovation because it was a very stodgy sort of audience. Nobody was getting excited. But before I could get to my feet after her song, this upstart in the front row is standing up, you know, bravo, Bill Clinton. So um, this is this is my second close encounter. Wow! And nice. I've also I have a friend who saw him in one of the candle restaurants here in New York City. So oh yeah, running to him again. Woohoo! <laughs> well, now that we know that his daughter is vegan and he seems to be eating veganly for his health, one more, yes, one more big name. Yes. But you know what one happens? More for our team. That's true. It seems that we get some for our team. And we lose some. And we lose some. Yes, we lost one today. We did. And and we lost someone who's lovely. And I absolutely adore her and always will. This is Alexandra Jameson. Uh, Most of you probably know her from uh, Supersize Me. Yes, that's where I know her from. Yeah. She was then dating uh, Morgan Spurlock and... 
And she actually nursed him back to health on a whole foods vegan diet. He um, introduced her on the film as a vegan chef, his girlfriend, the vegan chef. Well, she seems to believe now that she needs animal products. And she did post about that today on her website, alexandrajameson.com. That's J-A-M-I-E-S-O-N. And I just feel so torn. I love her to pieces. She donated a recipe to Main Street Vegan. She's a lovely, lovely human being. But she feels she needs something that I don't understand. Yeah, I don't really understand it either. She says in the blog post that her body was craving meat and animal products. And she started with eggs. And then she she added in meat. And she was sneaking it. She was going out and buying it and sneaking it back to her house so people couldn't see her. Oh, well, now that she was eating. Yeah. Products. Now that that's too bad. I mean, that, that anybody has to sneak anything. Here's my question. And those of you listening, if you have thoughts about ex vegans and people who really feel this diet is not sufficient for them, maybe you're in that camp yourself. We'd love to hear from you at 888-558-6489. Here's my question. Mm -hmm. If somebody says, and I've had compulsive eating issues myself, so somebody like me could say, my body needs ice cream. My body needs sugar. My body needs alcohol. My body needs cocaine. To all those people, we would say, you've got a problem. You need help. But if somebody says, my body needs eggs, my body needs cheese, my body needs fish, my body needs meat, we tend to say as a society, well, your body must really need that, so go have it. And completely with no judgment, I just want to know what the difference is. I really don't see a difference. It's something that I learned in my training for a health counselor was, you know, they taught us to help people listen to their body, but I don't. I don't usually recommend that with my clients because a lot of them do have issues with they're addicted to caffeine or addicted to sugar. And if they listen to their bodies, they're going to be drinking sugary coffee all day. Yeah. So it's a tough one. Yes. And it's also, I think difficult for those of us who, who are ethical vegans to, we want to be accepting of people doing whatever it is they need to do at this time of their lives and loving to the person. And yet, the idea that they're supporting what we see as this horrible cruelty makes it very, very difficult. It's very difficult. So, um, boy, that's a tough one. Well, uh, God bless you, Alex, and we totally love you and want to understand. And, you know, the other thing I see, I mean, I had some of that in the early times uh, before I was vegan when I was pregnant. I really, really craved liver, and I actually went out and snuck it two times. It's really interesting. After that happened, this was kind of early in my pregnancy, and late in my pregnancy, my husband and I were in England, and we got to have a reading with a woman at that time. It was a very, very famous psychic, and this famous psychic <laughs> said to me through, through my grandmother, who had recently passed away, and, and she's telling me that it's good for you to be vegetarian, but the two times that you ate the liver, that was all right. And I looked at my husband, who didn't know, of course, and I just held up my hands. It's like, okay, I'm, I'm outed. You know, I'm outed by somebody from the other side. So I guess what that's telling me is everything we do is really in public. <laughs> <laughs> whether you know it or not whether you know it or not so um here we go and as another thing my grandmother when she was still alive used to say is you're born but you're not dead so i guess none of us really knows uh where we'll be tomorrow but it's it's an interesting thing now speaking of my my grandmother she actually wasn't my biological grandmother she was hired as a nanny but she seemed like my grandmother she was my first spiritual teacher she taught me how to read on a little daily devotional from unity called daily word and i had 
articles in Daily Word when I was 19 years old. Wow. And I had not been published by them again until right now. Wow. So in the March-April issue, I have a story called Growing Up on Daily Word on page 44. They sent me a box of these, and we just had such a fun experience, although I don't know that it was fun for Mercedes. I couldn't find the box of Daily Words, and there are a hundred of them in the box. And I called her, and she said that I had implied that it was a box of trash, and she threw them away. And so I just said, okay, too bad. She came over from her other job and somehow managed to get them from the people in the building. They were thrown away on Monday. That's pretty amazing that they were able to find them. Pretty amazing. So if anybody's interested in Daily Word, if you're not familiar with it, it's a sweet, sweet publication. It's a little one-page thing you read every day to get more in tune with your soul. You can check out dailyword.com. It's really inexpensive. If you buy them one at a time, they're Five ninety five, but if you subscribe for a year, you get twelve for fourteen ninety five. So check that out. And also, if you're in New York City, you can check me out along with all kinds of other wonderful people. Uh, Ellen Jaffe Jones, eat vegan on four dollars a day. Jean Bauer of Farm Sanctuary at the New York Vegetarian Food Festival. This is the third annual, and it's so much fun. Will you be there? I will be there, and I've been the past two years, too. It's very fun. What's your favorite thing? Oh, hard to say. I love the speakers, but I also love the food. Yeah, there's a lot of food, a lot of free food. So if you're somewhere in the New York City area, join us downtown Saturday and Sunday, all day long, lots of food, lots of fun. And we're going to have fun right after our break when we are joined by Linda Long author of Virgin Vegan, and also Great Chefs Cook Vegan. After that, we will be joined by Freya Dinshaw, co-founder of the American Vegan Society. Stay with us after these messages, and we'll be back with more Main Street Vegan here on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Our goal at Unity Online Radio is to continue expanding our spiritual programming and growing our listening audience. To help us become an ever stronger voice in today's world, we ask for your support. Please visit www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. Thank you. What if you could experience vibrant health, help heal the planet, and be a great friend to God's animal kingdom through simple choices you make at breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Authors Victoria and Adair Moran say you can do this easily, affordably, and deliciously in their new book, Main Street Vegan. Everything you need to know to eat healthfully and live compassionately in a real world. Loaded with practical tips, straightforward information, and fabulous recipes, Main Street Vegan will help you on your journey toward a plant-based diet. The perks include more energy, an easy way to keep your weight where you want it, feeling younger as you grow older, and maybe even a boost to your spiritual life. Purchase Main Street Vegan from BN.com, Amazon.com, or your favorite bookseller. Just what does that dream mean? Ever wake up from a crazy dream and wonder what it meant? Have you had a recurring dream all your life and you just can't get it to stop? Get all your questions about dreams and dream interpretation answered by the leading expert in the field. Unity Online Radio is home to America's leading dream expert, Dr. Michael Lennox. And on Mondays at 2 p.m. Central, the doctor is definitely in. Tune in to Dream Interpretation with Dr. Michael Lennox, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. You're 
You're listening to Main Street Vegan with Victoria Moran. If you have questions or comments about today's topic or any other area of interest, we invite you to follow Victoria underscore Moran on Twitter or email her at MainStreetVegan at UnityOnlineRadio.org. Now, back to Main Street Vegan. Hey, everybody. Back to Main Street Vegan. I'm Victoria Moran. If you're new to my work and what I do in the world, I'm the author with my lovely daughter, Adair, of Main Street Vegan. And you can find out more about what we do at MainStreetVegan.net. We also have Main Street Vegan Academy that trains vegan lifestyle coaches. I do vegan lifestyle coaching via phone and Skype, both in New York City and around this planet. Would love to hear from you. And my lovely co-host today, Diane Wentz, is VeggieGirl.com, also a certified vegan lifestyle coach and a certified holistic health counselor. We're here to be of help to you. And to introduce our wonderful guest for this segment, Linda Long. Linda is the author of Virgin Vegan, The Meatless Guide to Pleasing Your Palate. She is also the author of Great Chefs Cook Vegan, which features 25 of the nation's top chefs applying their talents to plant foods. Linda has had a lifelong relationship with food and the hospitality industry, and she's been a committed vegan for more than three years. Decades. Welcome, Linda Long. Well, thank you. It's always a good day when I can talk with you, Victoria. Oh, bless your heart. You're a home economist. That always seems so interesting to me. <laughs> well, I, when I went to college, uh, so many women became teachers, and I wanted to become a teacher, but the thing that I did more than anything else was I was always cooking and uh, making clothes and doing everything that was very domestic, yet I had no desire whatsoever to have children and never have, and uh, only had um, a short marriage, and so I don't know what all my domesticity was about, but I did teach high school home economics for three years in a very conservative uh, area of the country, Lancaster, Pennsylvania. So it came in good, but it also told me that I wanted to get to New York City as fast as I could. (laughs) You done good. Now, before we get into talking about your absolutely fabulous books, I love your books. I want to hear how you became vegan, because I'm sitting next to a lovely young woman who said to me, who's Dick Gregory? Well, I've had that said to me before as well by young people, and uh, I just also want to say that, Diane, I appreciate your work so much. I just found your website, VeggieGirl.com, and believe me, I love it. I'm not just saying that because you're sitting there. Um, Well, Dick Gregory was one of the great, is one of the great still, uh, he's in his 80s, civil rights activist, and uh, he marched with Martin Luther King and Selma and uh, was very involved uh, with that fist uh, high in the air with when the three black people won the Olympics way back in the, I guess, the 70, early, late 60s, I guess it is. Anyway, I got a chance to meet him, and uh, but also I also tell the young people, please Google Dick Gregory. I mean, he, he should be on... An icon in American history, and uh, thought that he's still thriving and still traveling all over the world, doing good things and talking good talk. Um, I, I do, I'm just always happy. And you, Victoria, I know also know him. You even uh, did a sit-in with him. <laughs> I did a seven-day fast on water in um, Ralph Abernathy's church basement in Atlanta. Ah, we do yes. go back. Anyway, tell us how <laughs> oh he made gosh, you vegan. Yes, we do. <laughs> but, uh, well, I, he was traveling with Muhammad Ali during uh, the last six weeks of the training. They went at a high elevation, and I, at the time, was married and living at the Concord Hotel. And so I heard that Dick Gregory was vegan, and I was so interested in nutrition anyway. And uh, I, I approached him one day. I said, can you really be vegetarian and healthy? And he said, how much time do you have? I'll meet you in the lobby. And so I scooted myself to the lobby, found two great seats, 
And to this day, I remember that the feeling in the room, the temperature, the sun coming in, the, you know, what I was wearing. It was just such a turning point in my life. He comes marching along with a book of uh, nutritional, of well, all the foods distributed by in the United States in the nutritional breakdown. And he bought it from the government at the time, $8. I think you could still get it, but I think it's like 40 or $50 now. And this was in, uh, in the mid-'70s. And so I sat with him for three hours, and when I stood up from that meeting, he had proven to me that not only would I be healthy being vegan, I would be healthier. And it's hard for people to believe, but from that moment, I have never had a piece of animal flesh pass my lips. And I'm now 70 and thriving, and so in 37 years or whatever it is, um, it served me so well. I'm on no medications whatsoever. I have more energy than I know what to do with. And I know that a lot of people have the same story. So when I say this story, it, I'm, I feel like I'm really representing. You there, Linda? Oh. Hi. Yes. Oh, no, I, I, I was finished. Oh, <laughs> I okay, I, okay. I, I felt that I was really representing everybody who had made this big decision. I know a lot of people want to lean into it, as the term goes today, and that's okay, too. Let me tell you, any way you get there, because we just want to eradicate heart disease. We want to eradicate, eradicate even some of the dementia we're learning about that is, is uh, a problem. And uh, the diabetes reversals, and I mean, people are just telling these stories. I mean, President Clinton, for goodness sakes, he has—he can have the best doctors in the world, and what does he do? He says, "I have stints, and I know that's not a cure. I want the cure, and the cure is stop eating animal products." It's just too rampant now. It's too much proof. It's too much science, and there's just no no. Uh, we have all the ammunition we need now to go to say, "See, see, see." <laughs> That Gregory was right all along. Yes. So you have a brand new book, and it is called Virgin Vegan, The Meatless Guide to Pleasing Your Palate. I love this book. Do you love this book? I love it. It's a gorgeous book. And it's full of fabulous recipes. And the recipes are intermingled with the information. It's just done so beautifully. Why did you write this book, Linda? Well, um, I, I spent 37 years answering the question, why am I vegan? And over that period of time, you get to know exactly what you say to everybody who asks and uh, all the different points and all, you, know, you know exactly what their questions are going to be before they ask it. And uh, because it just happens to you over and over, you can't go to a dinner anywhere, you can't sit on the bus talking to somebody if they're eating something or they see me, whatever it is, you know, you, you just ask the questions once, so you get to know what the answer answers need to be. And even though there is extraordinary books on the market in, and, and uh, uh, on the subject, no matter how many times I recommended them to certain people, they just would never get them. And I finally discovered that it was because it, all the books look like a nutrition book or too much information. And I had this ache in my heart to maybe even just write up a little booklet on my own that when people ask me, I would pull it out of my handbag and say, here are all your answers, and it would be nothing but a booklet, you know. But I never did that before the publisher asked me to do this, and I thought, oh, here's my opportunity. I can just give only the information and no more just to get people started so that they're not afraid of, uh, the, all, you know, all of the, um, the, um, it, the information that they're seeing in these books. So I d- did exactly that with, with Virgin Vegan. I, I, my protein page is one page. My calcium page is one page. And the book is only six by nine inches, so you know that it can't be very, um, uh, you know, very lengthy. And so... Um, and then I wanted the recipes to be that you could take the book home and cook probably with stuff you already had in your kitchen and also techniques uh, that you didn't know about. I wanted them to know, look, if you learn how to cook one grain, you can probably cook any grain. If you learn how to, uh, you know, do basic, that's where my old home ec training came in. If you just learn the basic techniques for greens or for grains or for vegetables, 
you can not be afraid whatsoever of trying any of the others. When I was doing Great Chefs Cook Vegan, and I had to ask these big chefs to cook vegan, I was I had a little bit of fear in my heart that they would go, oh, no, it's too limiting. You mean I can't use dairy? I can't use meat? You know, and when I interviewed, uh, went to ask John George Vongerichten, uh, one of the greats in the world, he has something like 39 restaurants around the world now. He said, uh, "Wait a minute. You mean I can use any fruit, any vegetable, any grain?" And then he kind of stopped, and I said, "Yes, and any nut, any legume, you know, like beans and peas and all of that, any seeds." And he put both hands on top of his head and both arms went out in like an angel wing. And he said, oh, my God, where do I start? There's so many things to choose from. And I was in shock. And he, then he looked back at me. He says, you know, we get tired of cooking the menu, and there's only so many animals, and there's only so many ways to cook the animals. He said, but this, oh, he says, you know, chefs are creative people. And he said, when you start to think of what you can do to, yeah, I can cream some beans. I can make a sauce to go over, you know, and suddenly he was off and running. And before I left there, he shook my hand with both of his hands and said, oh, thank you, thank me, I'm so excited to be part of this project. I'm going to get to work, you know. And so it was just so enlivening to know that there's a shift as well, that um, that you that there are a lot of things to eat and more so. Most people's standard American diet, you know, the SAD <laughs> <laughs> the sad diet, uh, standard American diet, is very limiting. People eat the same things over and over and over. And uh, where here you can see that you can have a different meal every day. Uh, I'd like to mention the Triangle Vegetarian Society down in um, North Carolina, you know, the Durham, Chapel Hill, Raleigh area. He actually makes a different meal every night for his wife, and he never repeats it in a year. What a house That's amazing. <laughs> Isn't that exciting? Would yeah. you like to be married to him? <laughs> and, uh, and he publicized it. He puts it on his website, you know, for the Triangle Vegetarian Society. And uh, I just think it's fabulous because it points out that there's so much to eat. And once you start, you start, okay, I'm making this soup. Um, I, I want you to get another question, and if you want, but I, my mind just flipped. Uh, I'm looking at the book. I put two sections in I think will really help people. I put the anatomy of a salad and the anatomy of soup, and it just lays out the, the categories that goes into each of those kinds of uh, dishes, and that if you learn to do one dish, you can write your own cookbook of salads, and if you learn to do one soup using that template, you can swap out and alternate and make a whole recipe book for yourself of soups. And so I wanted it to be a book that it's informing you just why it's so fabulous and healthy to be vegan. I mean, at 70, you don't want to be on any medications at all. And, and also how, how it's so easy to do using all the foods you already know. And the photos in here... The photos in here are gorgeous. I think most people tend to eat with their eyes first, especially if you're on Pinterest or um, uh, Food Gawker. You see people just repinning pictures of food. Uh, the pictures in here are gorgeous, so I think this shows off that there really is a wide variety of foods to eat, and it's not all just salad and it's yeah, not all it's just an almost brown mush. Yeah, knows that I'm a food photographer. It's, it's always so interesting that um, people will always talk about the photographs, and they're so shocked to realize that, First and foremost, I'm a food photographer. You know, I, I photograph all the food in my books and for other people's books and uh, for uh, the American Vegan uh, Society's um, covers. But, uh, yes, if I mean, you want, you, you do eat with your eyes first, I hear. <laughs> so, Linda, when you did your, your previous book, Great Chefs Cook Vegan, was this your idea, and what kind of response did you think you were going to get from these famous omnivorous chefs? Well, uh, I the reason I did Great Chefs Cook Vegan is this: my wonderful friend Walter Feldesman loved to eat at very nice places, and he would always ask me, where do you want to go to dinner? And when I would say so, I mean, so I got to meet all these chefs as being a customer in the restaurant, and because I was requiring a vegan meal, 
sometimes they would come out and talk to me. And, I mean, I was always so shocked, and uh, I learned a lot from them as to how to approach the chefs and all, and they prefer to know when you make the reservation that there's a vegan ethic going to be in the reservation. And then when they shop, they know already ahead of time something great they're going to make for you. But um, but now it's so common that they don't even need to know. I mean, they they're just they, they say it, the people who come in who are vegan is just so greatly uh, more than ever before, so they're always prepared. But... Well, like I was saying with Jean-Georges, not one of them thought that this was a silly idea or, no, I don't want to be part of it. The only people who turned me down were those who were in the middle of getting their own book launched and were on a deadline, or they were in the Far East opening a restaurant, you know, that kind of thing. Everybody else, from Thomas Keller to Eric Repair to Danielle Ballou, they all were extremely eager to do it because they like it a challenge, um, but it wasn't the kind of thing, a challenge that was like, oh, no, what am I going to do? It was, oh, my goodness, I can get so creative with this. And they did, as you can see from from the book. But the purpose that I really wanted to do the book, that Great Chef's Cook Vegan book for, was that I wanted to give the stamp of approval of the mainstream elite culinary world that vegan really was a cuisine, and it was acceptable by them. It wasn't a few hippies on a commune from the 70s in sandals and long hair, you know, pushing an idea. You know, it, was, it, had, it had merit. It had, and, of course, lots of flavor. I mean, that's the other big thing. When I interviewed Moby, you know, the musician on veganhotspot.com, we were at um, Blossom, and he said that uh, most people don't understand that all the flavor is vegan anyway. If it's all peppered, mustard, ketchup, herbs, spices, even the margarines that are also vegan, like Earth Balance or Smart Balance Light, um, you know, are vegan. You know, so it's um, it's interesting to realize that if you've not had a good vegan meal and you think it's unflavorful, blame blame the cook. Well, there's nothing unflavorful about anything that you write or photograph. We're actually going to have your great friend Freya Dinshaw coming up in the next segment. So if our lovely engineer says that we can handle all the calls, uh, yours and Freya's, why don't you stay on with us and say hey to her? But uh, regardless of whether... I love Freya. Freya's wonderful. Whether you stay on or not, everybody, go get... Oh, great. Jeff is saying we can have both of you on. Um, Check out Virgin Vegan, The Meatless Guide to Pleasing Your Palate. That's a great beginner's book. And then check out Great Chef's Cook Vegan, which is a wonderful book for the foodie in your life, for someone who even just loves looking at, at beautiful food. They're both wonderful. And if you are in the New York City area, Linda, very quickly in the last 30 seconds, tell us you will be at the James Beard House next week. Yes, I'll be at James Beard House at noon to 1. Uh, on uh, March 6th uh, for a, a book talk and uh, some video clips that I did because uh, virginvegan.com is on uh, virginvegan.com. Uh, we have a lot of videos. I did a total of 50. There are up, eight up so far. And I did one with you, uh, Victoria, that will be up very, very soon. And so people should just keep going back to see these most extraordinary videos. But you can go to YouTube as well, just youtube.com forward slash virginvegan to see Perfect. them. We will give all those again at the end of the show. Now we're going to go to break and join us afterwards for more Main Street Vegan on Unity Online Radio. Jenny is looking for an adventure. I love new cities, the culture, the architecture, the food. Joy prefers a little R&R. Just give me a book and cozy chair along the ocean, and maybe a massage or spa treatment. Both are spiritually minded. The cave temples in Sri Lanka sound amazing. What a life-changing experience. Studying Eastern spirituality, going right to the source, it's the journey of a lifetime. Both Jenny and Joy will find exactly what they're seeking on Spirit of the East, a 14-day voyage from Singapore to Mumbai. And so will you. Join us April 17th to May 1st, 2013. Spirit of the East, a perfect blend of relaxation and adventure. 
Explore more at unity.org slash spirit of the east. Celebrated Unity Minister and author Eric Butterworth tells us, The exciting thing is that wherever you may be along the way of unfoldment and self-realization, no matter what the problems or challenges you may face, there is always more in you, the mystery of God in you, the Christ in you, which means your potential for healing, for overcoming, for prosperity. There is no limit. Join us each week for Discovering Eric Butterworth, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Central Time with host Rev. Tom Thorpe. Right here on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. Thank you for tuning in for Main Street Vegan. Here is your host, Victoria Moran. Hey, everybody, welcome back. I'm here today with Diane Wentz. Hello. That is VeggieGirl.com. Do check her out. Linda Long, our guest from the last segment, has stayed with us. She is virgin vegan and great chef's cook vegan. And I'm so excited to introduce to you the person who is responsible for my being vegan. There are actually two people in that role, Freya's late husband, Jay Dinshaw, and Freya herself, They found me as a very overweight 20-year-old and very gently introduced me to a way of living that has given me great health and a great life. How do you say thank you for that? Welcome, Freya Dinsha. Hello, Victoria. It's been wonderful knowing you over all these years. Oh, thank you so very much. That's fully mutual. Whenever I tell people, Freya, that you and Jay founded the American Vegan Society in 1960, I always say, now that was the first season of Mad Men. Just to couch it in, that was another era. That was before the Beatles. That was before John Kennedy was assassinated. How on earth did you guys ever think that America was ready for a vegan society? Well, Jay had uh, learned about veganism from the Vegan Society in England, which had been founded in 1944 by the renowned Donald Watson. And he had grown up vegetarian, but by reading their literature, he became convinced that he had to become vegan. Although at that time it was a considerable struggle to give up milk and say no to leather and things of that sort. And uh, he imported Jeffrey Rudd's book, Why Kill for Food, and started advertising it in little classified ads. And before long he decided to found an American vegan society. However, it was not the first vegan society in the United States. Uh, There were two people... Catherine Nimmo, Dr. Catherine Nimmo, and Ruben Abramowitz, who had founded a vegan society in California soon after the vegan society was founded in England. And they brought over copies of the vegan magazine to share with Americans. And their activity was mostly through correspondence, although at the time they did have hopes of founding a vegan community in California at a place called Oceano halfway between Los Angeles and San Francisco. Uh, They were wonderful people. Um, They became members of American Vegan Society uh, because their society was pretty small and wasn't going along so well at the time. Uh, Financial problems meant that they had to scatter and couldn't just live in one place and get jobs elsewhere. But Catherine Nimmo was the first paid member of American Vegan Society and Ruben Abramowitz came on our Council of Trustees. Oh, that is so beautiful. I just feel like there's all this history that most of us who are vegan don't know. If anybody has a question for Freya Dinshaw, co-founder of the American Vegan Society, give us a call, 888-558-6489. So, Freya, tell us a I little think, bit. I think- Go ahead. 
I think people think that veganism begins when they found out about it. <laughs> for different people, that occurs at different times. Uh, for many people, it's when they read John Robbins' Diet for in New America. And, um, you know, other people have other associations which made the difference in their life. Uh, I know with some young people, they think it all happened after diet was invented. <laughs> so that would be very recent. But actually, the history of veganism goes way back, um, even before the founding of the Vegan Society, when there was a name for um, being vegetarian and not using any dairy products or eggs and not using leather and so on. Uh, it goes back, for instance, to Bronson Alcott, the father of Louisa May Alcott, who uh, had a community and um, influenced many people to think along vegan lines. And you can go back to the Buddha, who taught uh, his sincere, devoted disciples to be vegan. So it has a long history. It does indeed. We had uh, Rin Berry teach for Main Street Vegan Academy just last week, and he was telling us about Pythagoras and and how... uh, before there was the word vegan or even vegetarian, people who chose to abstain were called Pythagoreans. So I guess we come from the East and the West. It's a beautiful thing. So, Fred, talk to us a little bit about what it was like in the 1960s. You didn't have soy milk. You didn't have Boca burgers. What did you eat? Well, we made a lot of things from scratch. But it wasn't a complete vegan desert because uh, before us there were the Seventh-day Adventists who did amazing work. Uh, they had been missionaries in China and uh, brought back the concept of making soy milk and uh, meat substitutes. So the early health food stores as we know them were very often run by Seventh-day Adventists. And there was a big resource of um, helpful of food products and also medical and nutritional information coming out of the Seventh-day Adventists. But, um, yes, I couldn't buy silk, um, for instance, in the supermarket. Uh, tofu you, you could only find in Chinatown in San Francisco, so that was virtually not available. And we used to make our own. Uh, we used to make our own soy milk from scratch, used to make sesame milk, which in the early 1970s, at a time when we had a number of young people staying at our headquarters, I would make a gallon of sesame milk every morning to get them started. And uh, one of the favorite meals that I made was a vegan pizza because you couldn't go out and readily buy that, but I made my own soy cheese to put on top and fresh tomatoes and lots of fresh ingredients and it was really a wonderful pizza. So many things we, we did ourselves. And you did and it very, it very fun. well. <laughs> and what about your cookbook? I know people think there wasn't any good vegan food until recently. But if you go back, there was some very good food. There's one cookbook that we have that um, was written, I believe, in about 1943 by Dr. Pietro Rotondi who was or became the president of the Vegetarian Society of Los Angeles. And except for using a bit of honey, that book was completely vegan. And he would hold regular meals at his house in Los Angeles for people to come, and uh, they really enjoyed the food. So I don't think anyone was going to say um, you couldn't get good vegan food, not when you went to Rotondi's house. Uh Can you tell us a little bit about your cookbook, The Vegan Kitchen? Ah, yes. Well, I put my, well, let's see, in the early 60s, um, my husband Jay and I, and sometimes Jay alone, would travel across the country on a lecture tour. And we would stay at people's houses, so that took care of part of the uh, cost of the trip. We would sell books, which helped pay for gas. And we got to know the people we stayed with, and they shared recipes. And I also had recipes from my mother and from Jay's mother. And I put together a book called Vegan Kitchen, which its first edition was 1965. And it went on into its 13th edition. And I really don't know how many thousand copies it, it sold because there wasn't anything 
quite like it available. Uh, Royal Publications used to buy a box every month. And we had um, someone in Australia who imported it to sell in Australia. That was David Phillips. And yes, it was quite a quite an important book. And do you still sell it? Oh yes, we do. Mm-hmm. Great. And and tell us tell how people can now, find the the Vegan Kitchen and your brand new book, uh, Apples, Bean Dip, and Carrot Cake, a kids' cookbook, and all the other literature and and goings on that you have at the American Vegan Society. Well, we have a website, of course, AmericanVegan.org. There's a special section with books that um, we publish, so they can be ordered using PayPal from the website. And we have a catalog that lists uh, many, many books that we've collected over the years that we make available through mail order and at conferences and so on. Well, I so virtually will be found at AmericanVegan.org. Great, because I I still use the the fruit salad with cashew cream is absolutely wonderful. The, the, the stuffed mm-hmm. celery, you have a, a cheesy stuffing for, for celery and, and kind of a dip. I mean, I've been using yes. for, what, 40 years? <laughs> it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's a lovely, wonderful book. So tell us, Freya, what's going on now with the American Vegan Society? What are you guys up to? Well, we're still publishing our magazine, which is in print and also goes on the website. So I'm not really sure how many people it reaches, you know, overall. And we've, uh, and one of our new activities is that we've made a connection with the Academy of Culinary Arts, which is outside of Atlantic City. And we found out that they did group dinners, and we asked if they could do a vegan dinner, and they said they would. So it's about three years ago that we had our first dinner there. And they're on a Monday night or a Tuesday night, not the easiest night for people to get out after the end of the working day. And we thought not near a good city center that people could um, get there quickly. But in any event, we're doing about four of these dinners a year, and they're sold out every time. So uh, and the, the students are becoming much more familiar with the needs of vegans, and we think this is a very useful uh, thing to be doing, influencing their curriculum to really make them recognize the growing demand for vegan food in the, in the food business. Yeah, and I've been to one, and, and Linda, uh, you've attended several of those, right? Yes, they're so energizing, actually, to see the students preparing vegan food, and it's served in a very high-end way, you know, in, in their restaurant with tablecloths and nice appointments, and and the students take on all the positions of a restaurant, and it's very exciting to see. So it's, it's a gourmet meal. It's excuse me, and, and it's a bargain for anyone who attends. It's a gourmet meal that How they much is it? for us. So the plating is, is beautiful, and the service is wonderful. So to get a meal like that in Philadelphia or New York City would cost way more than we pay for going to what really is a class for the students because they got graded on how well they do feeding us and serving us. So how much does it cost? Uh, we charge $31. That's the regular price, and then we have a student low-income price of $21. And what it actually costs the American Vegan Society is somewhere in between, so the one bounces out the other, so it enables people to come who, um, even those who can't quite afford what it might be. And American Vegan Society is, is a strong supporter of Main Street Vegan Academy. I want to thank you so much for being on our advisory board and for helping several people uh, take the vegan lifestyle coaching program that wouldn't be able to otherwise. So thank you so much. So Freya, as you look at the state of veganism today, did you ever think you'd see it the way that it is? No, it's a big surprise. Uh, although I think sometimes we notice all the good things that are going on, and there's still a long way to go. 
Uh, sometimes you find yourself in another city and looking for food, and it isn't always easy, so easy as you think it should be, because you get to know your own locale and where to go and get things. But when you're plunked down somewhere new, it takes a little while to to find everything you want. But it's it's improving, and uh, well, people know what the word vegan means now. And when when we go out tabling at different events, such as Earth Day events or health fairs that we get invited to. People don't um, say, oh, that's not for me, I need my meat and potatoes, which is what they used to do. Uh, they come up with questions, and if they're not vegan themselves yet, they know someone who is vegan. And they may be concerned about that person. It may be a nephew or uh, someone, and they say, well, I don't know if my nephew's vegan, but I don't know that he's going to get enough protein or whatever their worry is. So we are knowledgeable enough to talk to them about that. And then they go away thinking, well, maybe it's not such a bad thing that the nephew is vegan and maybe they should try eating a bit more vegan food themselves. After all this so time, the you still... changing a lot. After all this time, do you still get asked where you get your protein? I've been vegetarian and vegan for, um, for a little over 20 years now and I still get that question. The last time somebody asked me, I kind of laughed because I thought it was a joke, but I realized he was sincere. So do you still get asked? That's a recurring question. And where do you get your vitamins and where do you get your minerals? And so on. They're still concerned about that. But another great advance in veganism is the number of doctors and dietitians who are vegans who can put the vegan position um, very well from a health standpoint and from a nutrition standpoint so that um, the public realizes that it is a good lifestyle and good diet to follow. Because the fear in the old days that was that, oh, you, you may be idealistic, but you're putting yourself at risk of malnutrition. But that's not the case at all. We've proved that over these many years now. So, Freya, just in, in our last closing down times now, could you tell us a little bit about the new book that you have done with your daughter, Anne, Apples, Bean Dip, and Carrot Cake, which is a children's cookbook. And I think it's so interesting that you and Linda have been our guests today because you've both been vegan a very, very long time. And Linda now has this charming new book, Virgin Vegan, which I think would be perfect if you have a, a teenager or a, a 20-something wanting to go vegan. And you have apples, bean dip, and carrot cake for the little kids. So tell us about this new book. Well, I'm not sure where the idea started, but the idea for the book um, had been in my mind for quite a while. I've been a volunteer with an after-school program, and... A friend of ours, uh, a vegan uh, dietitian, Santa Molina, was visiting our area, and I often arranged for her to talk somewhere. So this time she spoke to the kids in the after-school program who know not a thing about health and, and vegetarianism and don't care about it either. But she came to talk to them and talked to them about the different parts of plants that we eat, uh, roots and shoots and leaves and flowers and fruits and so on. And they really got into what she was saying and understood it and enjoyed the snack that we had prepared for them. And the next week, the person who usually does their food, you know, hot dogs and grilled cheese sandwiches and um, cakes that you don't really want to think about, uh, said, I've been wondering how we can give the children something that's more nutritious. So I suggested we make a soup a vegetable soup, and that was the first thing we made together. So I've been cooking with the children, helping me in the kitchen at the after-school program for a few years now. And I know that children can do things if you keep it simple and uh, instruct them and have a a safe relationship so that they don't uh, get wild in the kitchen. You need one adult watching each kid to see that they're doing things safely. And I thought this ought to get into a book. Well, it wasn't getting into a book, and my daughter Anne asked if she could help. So I basically told her what I thought should be in the book, and she went ahead and wrote it down and then found uh, different children to work on the recipes after we had them written down and photographed them because we wanted it to be a picture book. And that's one of the wonderful things about this book is that there are 
lovely color pictures of children doing all the steps of the recipes. And, and it shows that kids can do it. It shows kids have fun doing it, and it should inspire other children to do the same. Ah, that's wonderful. And adults who have never been in the kitchen, because it starts with some simple things like peeling a carrot and, and slicing an apple. Thank you so much, Freya Dinshaw. Check out the American Vegan Society at AmericanVegan.org. Check out Linda Long's wonderful work at virginvegan.com with lots of videos. She has other videos at veganhotspot.com. My sidekick today, Diane Wenz, is veggiegirl.com. And we're mainstreetvegan.net. Next week, one week from today, our special guest is Chris Carr, known for the documentary Crazy Sexy Cancer, the book's Crazy Sexy Diet, Crazy Sexy Kitchen. Oh, my gosh, next week we'll be crazy and sexy. Sexy, gosh, all kinds of things. God bless. Eat your veggies. See you next week. Thank you for listening to Main Street Vegan. Join us every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Central Time as Victoria Moran entertains, educates, and inspires you on your vegan journey. This program is sponsored by Main Street Vegan. To learn more about Victoria or to explore training with Main Street Vegan Academy as a vegan lifestyle coach, go to www.mainstreetvegan.net. That's www.mainstreetvegan.net. If I were brave, I'd walk the races where fools and dreamers dare to tread and never lose faith. How is life working for you? Would it be okay with you if life got easier, simpler, yet more meaningful and vibrant? Join certified life coach Carla McClellan Tuesday afternoons for Vibrant Living. Each week, Coach Carla and her guests will share strategies and solutions designed to make your life more vibrant. Is there something in your life you'd like help with? A dream you'd like to achieve? A relationship you'd like to improve? Call into the show toll-free for Coaching with Carla. That's Vibrant Living, Life Coaching with Carla, Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Central on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. What if we're all meant to do what we secretly dream? Inspiration only takes a moment. We invite you to consider these words from Unity author Charles Roth. Live deeply in the present moment. If you are going to work on the premise that real energy, real excitement... That feeling of being fully and enthusiastically alive comes from a source within you, then it follows that you have to spend some time getting acquainted, being at home in those far reaches of inner space. Peace is power, for out of stillness, strength is born, and out of inner harmony, productivity flourishes. Rest in that inner peace. This meditative moment is brought to you by Unity. Celebrated Unity Minister and author Eric Butterworth tells us, The exciting thing is that wherever you may be along the way of unfoldment and self-realization, no matter what the problems or challenges you may face, there is always more in you, the mystery of God in you, the Christ in you, which means your potential for healing, for overcoming, for prosperity. There is no limit. Join us each week for Discovering Eric Butterworth, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Central Time with host Rev. Tom Thorpe. Right here on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. What is the secret to happiness? Why do bad things happen to good people? What is our purpose in life? What must I do to bring healing into my life? Join Rev. Paul Hasselbeck every Tuesday for a metaphysical romp 
Explore fundamental unity principles put into action through real-life scenarios from people like you. Call in with your questions and spiritual challenges, and let Paul take you on a journey of profound personal understanding and transformation. That's Metaphysical Romp with Rev. Paul Hasselbeck every Tuesday at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, right here on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. Hi, I'm Jane Asher, and I believe, and from what I've been shown, that when our loved ones die, they don't really leave. They just slip into the next room. On my podcast, I explore the bigger picture surrounding life on Earth and what follows when we do die. I speak with authors, friends, transition specialists, and other experts about every facet of death, dying, grief, hospice care, cultural traditions, and also our beliefs about that final journey and what we may end up facing. Please join me on the next room on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcasts.